Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Top Pros Podcast, where we actually interview some of the industry's top agents and the nation's 1% of one. And we try to figure out what is the one thing that they're doing differently that makes them unique and different. Today, I'm really excited. I'm actually going to bring Henry in. He's going to actually talk about what really makes him special. Um, and what's interesting is this young man has only been around for about nine years, uh, but, you know, in, in a baseball sense, um, and I'm not a huge baseball fan, but he's ripping the cover off the ball. It's probably the easiest way to explain it. Um, without without further ado, hey, Henry, um, Henry, please come on in. Also, pronounce your last name because I didn't want to screw it up. Um, so I always say, hey, like, listen, let me just ask you. Sure. Uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And it's Eisenstein. Eisenstein. Okay. Got it. And, and uh, Henry, you're from Red Bank, right? How long have you been in the business? Uh, I've been in the business just under nine years, and yeah, I'm in uh, the wonderful town of Red Bank. So we talked about this previously. Um, you said you didn't dress up as Barney, but you actually managed the people dressed like Barney. Tell us more about that, or tell, tell our audience about that. So I ran a, uh, my uh, first career really was in the uh, kids' birthday party place. Um, I ran a place called Pump It Up. Okay. To House of Bounce kind of thing. Um, when I was 20, I was the general manager. I uh, had about 40 employees. Nice. And, um nice. Just realized I had hit a ceiling and luckily a friend of mine at the same time was like, hey, why don't we go get our real estate licenses? Because a friend of ours was making great money and the rest is history. Remind me of the virtual ceiling after when we get done interviewing you. I want to tell you, uh, it, it's an interesting, interesting uh, analogy, if you will. Sure. Of an experience I had too. So, um, so you're working in the, you're working in the place and you're pumping it up and you're getting all the people and you're getting the Barney and all those guys. Um, obviously that, that actually gives you a great foundation for sales and, uh, selling real estate, really. Like, obviously it doesn't. So tell us how, I mean, your friend tells you, come on, get in the real estate business. Obviously you did something right. What do you think was the one thing that you did to help you get off to a, a pretty fast start? Well, uh, first and foremost, my, my, my first two years sucked. Um, just to be sure. Tell, tell us what sucks looks like. <laughs> well, wait, well, let's, let's just backtrack for a second. What, what year did you get in the business? I'm trying to. So, uh, like 2015. So, I was just okay. before my, um, I'm 28 now. So, right. so uh, the market was just starting to recover a little bit, right? That's right. That's right. So, um, I was watching Million Dollar Listing New York, watching uh, all these incredibly successful brokers yep. sell million dollar uh, condos. And I was like, oh, I can do that. No problem. Right. So anyways, I get in the business and I ended up finding a mentor and I did not realize that she was uh, specialized in um, foreclosures. So basically at 20 <laughs> years old, I was kicking people out of their homes. Right, right. right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and right. I made, uh, in my first 10 months, I made zero dollars. Right. And uh, basically as her assistant, uh, quickly learned that that did not work. And then in my 11th and 12th month, I made uh, about 30 grand in those two months. Um, right. From selling, you know, two properties, and I was like, "Wait a second. So you I actually went to selling a conventional property versus trying yeah. to throw somebody out or scare somebody out. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I was like, "All right, there is something to this business." Right. And then um, that second year, I went on to sell 34, 34 properties, um, but I had signed a terrible team contract. So even though it was like three hundred to GCI, I only made like ten percent of that. Let me ask you this: so, um, When the, on the thirty-four props that you sold on those, were you part of you were part of a team? It sounds like, right? Yes. Yeah. Were you a buyer agent, or were were you a buyer agent on the team? No. Um. I, I mean, I was a regular agent. Um. But I kind of did a split of REO properties slash, you know, my own prospecting. Got um, it. Okay. But uh, yeah. So, anyways, like the the uh, the team split that I had signed for was terrible and definitely didn't allow me to grow. So I quit the business actually for about six months and. Okay. 2018 came back in with a vengeance. Got it. Got it. So kind of like, like the thing on the wall back there, success is the best revenge. Okay. Um, 
there's a story behind that too. Uh, but so let me ask you this: you, you come back with a vengeance. Um, what changes? Uh, what changes? I was uh, number one working for myself as a solo agent, yeah. um, working hundred hour work weeks. Kind of came back with my back against the wall, saying I either make this work or die trying. Right. So did I think more so than anything. From day one, or did you were you doing something else to pay the bills? Uh, no, I mean, I was uh, thankfully still living at home and, um, yep. you know, just kind of lived broke for quite some time. Okay. So you get, you get back, you get back in the game, you put your helmet back on, you get back on the field, yep. get back on the field on the, and you know, it's 2015 at this point or 2017? 17, 18-ish. So yeah. 17, 18-ish, yeah. interest rates are starting to rise a little bit, market's starting to recover, Trump's out yeah. on the front lawn screaming and hollering, oh my God, you can't raise interest rates. Interest rates go from go from three percent to five percent overnight. Yep. Market goes to a standstill. All of a sudden, the Fed comes out and goes, "Oh my God, we got to fix this." They take out the paddles, bang, and they put it back. And then all of a sudden, they they the reason why I'm illustrating this is because there's a good chance you're going to see this again. They sure. take out the paddles and they go like this, and all of a sudden, they take rates from five percent down to three. And what happened during that period of time is interesting, especially for somebody your age. And don't. don't misinterpret what I'm about to say between the ages until that point in time when rates went over 5%, what was the highest interest rate you ever saw? Um, I mean, from, from what I really, I mean, back in the eighties, I mean, no, know. no, no, no. I mean, I meant in your real estate, business. Oh, my real estate career. I mean, yeah. Between three and four, I guess. Never over four. Right. Yeah. exactly. So I had a conversation with somebody the other day and I said, you know, what's interesting is in 2018 interest rates went from three and a half to five. And people thought, oh, my God, the market's going to go to a standstill. And what really happened was the millennials who had never seen an interest rate go over 3% or 4%, when I would call them and say, oh, my God, you got to make a decision because rates are going to go up. And they're like, oh, we're fine. They never saw an interest rate that even looked like that. Never mind wasn't even that high. Sure. They had no idea what that meant. And I, and I kept saying, if you go from a 3.5% interest rate to a 5% interest rate, that's a 35% difference in your payment. It's like almost double. I said, you know, and, and as soon as that happened, the market ripped open and all of a sudden the market took off like a rocket. And that was between 18 and 19. So you start doing business 18, 19 now, and that's going on. What, what were you, what business were you servicing? First of all, were you back to foreclosures or are you doing retail? No. So, um, I mean, and now, uh, you know, I'm majority commercial, but at that time I was okay. strictly residential, single family homes. Um, right. And so uh, when you say residential, you're you're in a unique area down at, like in South Jersey where you have a pretty good mix of condo, townhouse, planned unit developments, 50 and over, but 50 and over that are like five hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars a piece. Yep. Um, because it's a very unique, like on, you know, enclave, if you will. Sure. Um, what what was what was the makeup of the residential people that you were working with at that time? I'm curious. Um, so, I mean, I really just banged expired. So you okay. know, I was dealing with majority of the time was move down, um, move down or move up clients. Yep. So um, out of curiosity, when uh, you were doing expires in 2018, 19, there really wasn't that many. And all of a sudden that market dried up. I mean, what's interesting, I mean, like I had the opposite experience. I mean, I feel like, I mean, obviously just because like I had been doing it from the beginning. Right. So it felt like there was a ton more, um, at least in my experience, at least from what I could remember. Yep. Um, so, I mean, 
I remember, I mean, a large majority. And I mean, that year, you know, we ended up almost doing, I almost did a 40 transactions that, that year, yep. almost strictly from expireds and referrals. Yep. Yep. I made a living on them for, for years, that and for sale by owners in Hoboken. And I really didn't know how to else to, to generate business. <laughs> you didn't yeah. need to though. You didn't need yeah. to. I mean, obviously you're doing 40 units, you know, quite honestly, I, I mean, you know, and, and it's not about me, it's about you, but the reality is at your age, in my thirties, I worked in a town called Hoboken, which is a mile square, 15 yep. blocks long, 12 blocks deep. And people said, oh my God, my market's competitive. Hoboken had 56 real estate offices and 3,700 agents in a mile square that fought over 700 transactions a year. That's right. And I would do, I would do 75 of them a year and I only worked a four and a half day week. But the funny thing is I did exactly what you just said. I did for sale by owners and expireds. And on Friday at midday Friday, I would get in my car and either get, I would get a six pack of beer and a cigar. And I would either go and drive up to Vermont and go skiing for the weekend and smoke a cigar and do my follow-up calls in the car. Or I drive to the Jersey shore down by where you are and go and, and smoke a cigar and then get down there and do my follow-up calls on the beach. But the, the funny thing is people would say, well, Oh my God, the market's going to zero. And I'm like, no, it's not. And obviously what you figured out was how to have conversations that lead people to a decision that is even by the way congratulations because the vast majority of the people at your at your age group are either how how do you think they're getting the business what do you think your competitors are doing let me ask you that one they it rhymes with pillow they're paying for those right and they're paying exorbitant fees um the other ways the other ways that they're doing it is through massive referral programs which yep. by the time you get done how much was your when you you said it a minute ago you made a, you did a stupid amount of transactions and how much money did you make? Woo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you fast forward, what is the, what do you, you, you've been on both sides of the, of the fence. What would you say, what would you give the advice to you 10 years ago, nine years ago? Uh, I would definitely have focused on higher price points. Number one, which is why I kind of flew into the commercial world. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, majority on it. Uh, majority of uh, what I wish I did, honestly, just personally, was gotten to the commercial world way sooner. Um, that's just personally. Um, but for the residential side, I'd say probably triple down on my network. Um, so tell me more about that. Triple down on your network. What network are we talking about? Um, I'm a huge believer of your network is your net worth. You know, like you know, you're uh, you're some of the five people you spend the most time with. And you know, I spent a lot of time on the phones, but I spent not a lot of time building relationships, which um, definitely are a big reason of why, you know, for my success now. So, so you spend a lot of time on the phones, but not, not talking to the people in. And thankfully, I mean, I had one or two relationships that really worked out fortunately. Um, okay. but I mean, that's normally not the case. So when, when you're saying, um, you know, it's funny, I had a, I had a, a meeting right before this with a very influential woman who was in charge of, one of the multiple listing services in the area. She's the CEO for the, and, and she said, you know, she said, you know, Sean, we have a lot of our agents are talking to people and sending them electronic, you know, stuff, the listing and this and then that and the, and the text and it comes from the bot and everything else. But when it push comes to shove, you know, she asked, she said, I now ask the question when I do training is how many, how many of your customers have you physically talked to on the phone or physically met? not a text, not a, you know, not a voicemail, not a bot, not, you know, whatever. And it was interesting. And she said, she said, nowadays, um, there's a good percentage of the, of the audience 
that's never met the customer, like they before they show up to write the contract. And it's like disturbing. But what you just got done saying is, I transitioned from that and I went to actually speaking to people, God forbid, holy cow, and having conversation because you can't have a network without actually having a communication with somebody. I mean, what's funny is now, you know, like I feel like, uh, you know, like it was making me laugh when you were saying the four and a half day work week and, you know, what you're doing. Yeah. But I mean, like I said, I just got back from Fiji and while I was away, signed two deals for, you know, almost 200,000 at GCI. Um, and it's yeah. like a large majority of what I do today is not, is not me geographically dependent where like i you know i'm even debating on moving to florida just right because it's like i i don't meet people so frequently anymore uh, you could do it anywhere and i could do it exactly right i could do it anywhere and if i really needed to meet somebody i'll get on a plane you know it really doesn't bother me yeah it's funny you say um you went to fiji and all of a sudden stuff fell in your lap you know there's um i'm not sure if you you know subscribe to the metaphysical people and the guys who like the movie the secret back in the day and all that stuff Sure. Um, I have a very good friend of mine, Thatch Nugent. You may have seen him on YouTube. And stuff. Oh, you know Thatch. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Thatch and I have been friends for 25 years. I remember when he was door knocking and, and Thatch has an expression called forget about it. And when he used to say it, um, Tom Ferry, who's a friend of ours, used to say, oh my God, you're cursing at me. He goes, no, I'm saying forget about it. But if you say it really fast, it sounds like something else. But what's interesting is Thatch actually had a philosophy, which I subscribe to very heavily was when you're working and you're in the thick of it and everything's going on, everything's going on, you don't slow down long enough to allow for the opportunity to come to you. But when you go on vacation, everything slows down and you're in that happy place and you're in that attractive, you know, they call it the attraction strategy. And, and you know, by the way, for the agents that are out there, if you wanted to understand how Henry works, and how he's able to do what he does and how he can do it remotely and do it from, what'd you say, Florida? That's like yeah. how many, it's like, I know for a fact, because my, my mom lives there. It's 3,000 miles away from where you live now. Or Are like you going to still do business up here? Are you still going to do business up north? Yeah, of course. So how does that work? I mean, like, how do I do that? Easy. You get in touch with Henry. We'll talk, we'll give you his information later. And the guy Thatcher we're discussing, you know, like, wouldn't it be great to actually figure out how to do a business where you can go on vacation and the business still comes to you and you have a team of experts to help you to manage that? I mean, that that's at a whole nother level. Um, let me ask you a question. Does your company, without going into names and all that stuff, do they give you the tools and the stuff to support that so that you can operate from anywhere? So um, short answer is I don't rely on any company to do anything for me. Um, right. I believe that the reason why I'm at the company I'm with is that they provide great great software um simple tools and you know the rest i can say i i call myself the amoeba to everyone who talks about so how that. many how much of the percentage of the how much what percentage of the what the percentage of the microcosm if you will is henry and how much of it is the tools and the techniques and the and the other stuff um <laughs> I probably, you know, and again, not from an ego place. But, no, not at all. Not at all. Uh, but probably like 99.1. Okay. You know, and again, so, I'm just talking about brokerage specific. I mean, the techniques I've learned from my mentors and everyone, I, I don't think I'm any of it. I don't think it's any brokerage. I think it's, it, it's you're illustrating the point that my mentors and coaches, and it sounds like you probably know a lot of them, um, because if you know Thatch, Thatch is, I mean, honestly, he was invited to my wedding 20 years ago. Really? That's amazing. Yeah. So that's how long we go back. Um, but the, and, and I don't say that to impress you, but what I, what I point out to you is you become like the five people you spend the most time with. 
Tom was one of my first coaches, you know, Mike Ferry, that whole cast of characters. So when you're talking about, when you're talking about expireds and all that stuff, I mean, we were on the forefront of that. And what's interesting about what you're talking about though, is, you know, there's a five inch span that makes all the difference in the world and not my, not Matt. I mean, not, not Tom, not Mike. Exactly. But my, Matt's bro, uh, I'm sorry, Tom's brother, Matthew, was an amazing trainer in his own right. Who's actually very good. But he's, he's best friends with Thatch actually um, talks about it all the time. It's the one place that changes everything is the five inch span in your head. Matter of fact, I was in the gym this morning and I was talking to a woman, she was talking about accountabilities. And I said, you know, if you really want to test yourself, try doing the 75 hard. I don't know if you ever heard of that, but I, I did it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was a ranger in the army when I was 18 and I did it when I was in my late forties and I was like, Oh my God, this is worse than when I was a ranger for Kurt Plex. Um, But what's interesting about it is I said to him, like I said to this woman the other day ago, I've negotiated like literally thousands and thousands of transactions for billions of dollars. And I said, but the hardest person I've ever had to negotiate with is myself. And I said, if you could figure out how to do that, you, you're unstoppable. And that's what you just got done describing is you're 99% of the equation. So when, when the people say it's the leads, it's this, it's that, what's your answer to that, Henry? Uh, long story short is it's, it's a forever numbers game. And like, I like to control the controllables. So tell me that again. You like to control the controllables, which is the numbers, obviously. And there's a reason why I became a retired realtor and I became a numbers guy in the mortgage space. <laughs> so tell me more about that. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, you know, my biggest, my biggest thing uh, or my biggest strength over the years has been um, my, con- you know, consistency and where- You used a different I, word before. You said- yeah, Which I, I was going to, I was going to say that word, but I'll save that for later. But as I like, a big thing that has helped me up to this point, I guess, has been my consistency because- I don't like, I'm a two-time college dropout. I don't believe I'm the smartest person in any room that I walk into. Um, And, uh, but the reason why I say this is because I wasn't the best on the phones, but I probably, but I was willing to outwork and make more calls than anybody else. And over time I did a lot of business. There you go. um, I I just see it as like, you know, again, is it the leads? I mean, there's always going to be a percentage of leads that don't work out and there's always going to be a percentage that does. So um, you know, the question is just how many calls are you willing to make? How many leads are you willing to generate and how much time are you willing to put in? Um, you're the part of the problem or part of the solution. It's, you know, um, my, uh, my wife's, uh, when I met my wife, she said, Oh, you know, my friends hang out in ocean city, New Jersey. Cause my wife went to school in Pennsylvania. I said, Oh really? I said, my friends do too. My friend, I don't know if you know, Jeff Quentin down in ocean city. Okay. Him and I have been friends, you know, he's another one of the thatch and all those guys. So he, Jeff does about probably about 250 units a year with a very small team. Um, and he has, he's in, he's in KW has a couple of different market centers that he operates in. Uh, but what's interesting is like uh, the girl's father built a one family in the only block in ocean city that's dedicated to one family. Right. So everything else is two families. And this one block is one family. As you can imagine the value of that home. So when I first get the guy, I, I say to him and he's, he's, he's got outpatient. So he's got no hair, except that he's, he looks like Frankenstein because he's like seven foot four. He was this huge basketball player and he's enormous. And I said to him one day, I go, Frank, I go, I give up. First of all, two questions. You, you make like 11 hole in ones in your, in your career in golf. And I go, you're not even a professional golfer. I said, how do you do that? He goes, oh, that's easy. He goes, aim at the hole. And I was like, oh, okay. He goes, most people get up to a part three. 
they look down there and they go, I'm going to hit it that way. And he goes, I look at the stick and I look at the bottom of the cup and I aim at that hole. And I'm like, wow, that's a pretty good metaphor. So this gentleman built an entire um, financial planning business, insurance business in the 60s and 70s. So him and his friend, and they sold it for several tens of millions of dollars, 100 million or whatever. So at some point we're drinking one day and I said, I said, how did you build your business? He goes, oh, that's easy. And he gets up from the table and he's like half in the bags, goes in the garage and he comes back. He goes, give me your hand. I'm like, okay. And he takes out a phone receiver, like the one that used to have a wire in it. And he goes, put out your hand. I go like this, like put out my hand. And he puts the receiver in it. He goes, stay there one minute. I go, okay. He goes, close your eyes. <laughs> Next thing you know, I hear, <laughs> takes duct tape and duct tapes the receiver in my hand. And he goes, okay. <laughs> and he goes, open your eyes. He goes, that's how I built the business. He goes, in the morning, we would come to the office and my partner and I would duct tape the receiver to each other's hand. And you couldn't get up and leave until you couldn't, un you couldn't untape it until it was the end of the day. And he goes, our goal was really simple. Speak to 50 people a day each. And he goes, we built a, we built a business on it and we built a, you know, billion dollars worth of insurance, you know? So there's no secret to success. It sounds like you're just, you know, hard-headed and stubborn enough to not to pay attention and just keep going until, until you make it, you've obviously made it, you survived. I give, I, here's the, here's the Jeopardy question. I ask every, all my guests, I take everything away from you. You have your intelligence, you have a phone, you have a pencil and 500 bucks. I stick you in the middle of the desert somewhere in the middle of nowhere. How do you make a living? Where do you start? <laughs> What's the first thing you do? Um, in the middle of the desert, that's fine. well. In the middle of a, in the middle, let's say in the middle of America somewhere, that's fine. Where you would be definitely out of place. We'll put you in the middle of Arkansas. <laughs> um, okay, uh, let's say I would more like what's than the likely, one two. What's the one two three things that you would do to generate your business to make a living before you went broke? Um, okay, I would probably find a way to get to a way more expensive area. <laughs> okay. Uh, just because I believe that uh, price point plays a major factor in everything. Okay. Um, I would find a way to sell the most expensive product I can get my hands on. Okay. Um, and uh, <laughs> and then probably, um, you know, try to find a, a person, you know, in the, in, you know, uh, at night or whenever I'm not working on that, I'd probably spend, you know, every waking extra hour that I possibly had with, uh, as you know, working uh, for free or as an assistant to the most you know most successful people that I possibly could, just to start building a network slowly that way. Interesting. So here's an interesting twist. We'll go backwards to go forwards. One of the guys I spent some time with it was my accountability partner was a guy named Carlos Gusto. Carlos did forty transactions a year in South Beach and Miami, at an average price point eight million dollars piece. This was 22 or 23 years ago. He was on Carlton Sheets, Rich and Famous. He was the guy in the helicopter. I went, I sold that one. I sold that one. I sold that one. And he was talking about Madonna, Sylvester Stallone, John Travolta, you know, all the, everybody you could imagine. Like the, I went to go shadow him one day and we're on his deck looking over the Best Came Bay, which faces South Beach. And he's going, baby, baby, you don't understand. This is such a great deal. And he goes, damn, like, you know, the, God damn it. You know, even in Spanish, he doesn't get it. And he hangs up the phone. And I go, who the hell are you talking to? He goes, ah, this young kid named Jeter. And it was right when Jeter, when Jeter first started really making money. And I had no idea. He looked at me, he goes, you know, Jeter, right? And I go, yeah, sure. I had no idea who Jeter was. I had to text my wife. Um, 
so and he that, that sounds like a great business to me but he did exactly what you said is and when i asked him about his business and he said i went i came to i came to the real estate business i figured if i was going to do it i was going to make as much money as i could in the shortest period of time with working the least amount of time and he he shadowed the guy who did the ultra, ultra luxury homes and that's how he did it and he was obviously much more um flamboyant attractive uh, attractive you know just out there um you talked about you talked about um building in a build, building a market by um you know going to a higher price point um how did how did you do it i'm, I'm curious to see what you, how you what your strategy was when you decided to do that yeah. So, um, I kind of, I, I basically said to myself, like, I'm not moving out of New Jersey because that's where my license was. And I honestly did not know how to make money outside of where my license is. Um, for now, until, right? until, until like, you know, a little over a year ago, but three years ago when I was thinking about this, I was like, exactly. Like you said, like, I want to make more money working less hours without, you know, you know, in the time, right. So uh, I said to my, and like my, my mental skill sets were really just, I know numbers. I work with a ton of investors and I know how to find great opportunities. So I said, why am I not in the commercial world? So commercial kind of was just the easy um, shift easy for me. Fit. It was a fit. Yeah. So that, that's sort of how I did it. And now, you know, I kind oh, of- I'm just going to illustrate this because we have a lot of people that are real estate agents that are uh, onesie twosie residential. Sure. I had a coach name. I had a coach say to me one time, he goes, I said to him, I go, I'm getting married. I need X amount of dollars. He goes, okay, fine. And, and his name was Tony DeSalo. He's Diana Kokoska who wrote the MAPS coaching program. And Tony said, take out a piece of paper. I go, okay. And he goes, here's what we're going to do. He goes, how, what's your average price point now? And I was getting ready to go to a, a one or week, a week event in California for my ferry event, actually. And I used to go like four times a year and my assistant would work on stuff while I was away. So Tony had me get a map of my market and put it on the wall in my, in my, in my house. I had one bedroom, one bedroom was dedicated as my, my prospecting room. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to live on Ogden Avenue. So if you're, if you know the Jersey city market, Steve, Stephen Fallope bought my old house. He's actually the mayor. Now He's, he has my old house. So anyway, Tony, and what I did was I took, I took all the transactions for the past two years prior to the year that we were in. And I took those push pins and I said, here's a yellow one, a red one, and a green one. I said, put a green one on anything over two hundred thousand dollars over the ask over the highest offer over the over the average. So I think the average back then was three sixty. I said anything over five hundred thousand, put a green pin. Anything under at five hundred thousand, put a yellow pin. And anything under five under five hundred or under three fifty, put a red pin. And then what I would do is, and and would, what you would see on the wall was like clusters of green ones, clusters of red ones, clusters of yellow ones, and then. And you know this business, right? Which is I'm going to do a past client. I'm going to do a just listed, just sold call, yep. right? So I sell the property here on one two three Jones Street, which is on, in Hoboken is on second and second and Monroe Street. And I would look at the map, and normally most people start on second and Monroe and call everybody in that neighborhood. What my coach had me doing was go look for the closest cluster of green pins, start there, and work your way backwards. And in, in one year, I increased my average sale price by 27%. People go, well, what's the big deal? It doubled my income. And I actually worked less because believe it or not, the people that made more money, they were so much easier to work with because they got it. They were like, oh yeah, all right, fine. You know, I understand what you're talking about. It's fine. It's not going to kill me. That extra 10 bucks or whatever. I'm not worried about it. So I couldn't agree with you more. This is exactly what I coach on in my program. Right. So you're coaching people. 
what is your number one coach? Like, what do you think is your number one, the, the people you coach, what do you think is the number one thing that stops them from going from where they are to where they want to be? Thinking it's way more complicated than it is. <laughs> so tell me more about that. That's actually great. <laughs> Simplifying it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what I basically try to explain is like, I just want to simplify how making more money in the real estate business uh, can be like, I can try to make it as simple as possible. Uh, and alluding to what you just said, you know, I study a guy named Jay Abraham. Sure, um, Jay. I know Jay. He's right. He's so I basically, uh, I heard him for the first time, like six, seven years ago. And I um, took down a lot of notes back then and didn't realize how it would help me in the future. But, you know, basically just talking about how the three ways of scaling a business is either you sell more. Uh, how much, uh, how many, sell. how many times, how many people. Exactly right. So basically I just take that philosophy and I implement it in the real estate business and you can increase anybody's business by a substantial amount, pretty simply. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, those are the couple of points that I really focus on. And then I just built out systems around each one of those pillars on how to make it really easy to increase it. So um, I was in a um, mastermind group for Mike Ferry with like the top 60, 60, 70 agents in the country at that time. This was 20 years ago. Yep. And I had a habit because I was in the military. So I always got up early. I go down into the room where we're going to all gather and it's before breakfast. I take my book and I go to put it in and I go to put it right in the front. And there's some weird guy in the back and he goes, don't put it there. He goes, put it over here. I go, that's like in the middle of the room. He goes, yeah. He goes, but when I talk, I talk in the middle of the room. I don't talk up at the front. I go, oh, okay. And he goes, what's your name? And I go, my name is Sean. He's the only guy. I, I had breakfast with Jay for about 45 minutes because I was the only guy in the room. It was me and him. And I was like, he was actually testing his equipment because I said, he goes, don't, I said, don't they have a guy for this? He goes, yeah, but I don't trust them. And he's the only guy I've ever met that talks faster, thinks faster, like, I take a lot of Ritalin and I think probably faster than 98% of the people I've ever talked to. My brain is going hundred miles an hour. He's the only guy I've ever met where it's going 200 miles an hour. It's amazing. The way he and and he's a, he, I mean, if you ever, ever get a chance, um, Google his information. He is a br absolutely brilliant guy. Um, him. And then if you're in that, if you're in that, that lane, if you will, one of the other guys that tra that travels in that same lane is a guy named Marshall Silver who was, was, Marshall was a, um, an illusionist really, but he was highly, highly, highly skilled neuro-linguistic program trainer um, and made literally billions of dollars um, in uh, Las Vegas as a, as a, you know, he was like on David Letterman and all that other stuff, but really where he started really making his money was in training salespeople for like timeshare companies and stuff like that. Uh, but he's another guy like who's along that same lines who said, if, if where Jay said, by the way, when, when I went to go increase my price point, now that I think about it, it was right after I came back from Jay. And he talked about, I don't know if you've ever seen Jay, it's what the, Jay calls the Parthenon. Yeah. It's the Parthenon of Success. part of every one of his programs. <laughs> right. So if, if you've seen the Parthenons of Success, we were part of the, when he launched that program, that's, we were the group that he did that with. And I went home and I said, okay, what are the three things? And one was, the, the price. The second one was, um, it was how much, how many times, how many people, that's why it's ingrained in my head. Yeah. So if you do it backwards, it's just, we, you know, in the real estate business, we are commonly taught you need to sell more transactions, which is sell more, do not. more people, right? <laughs> yes. that, like that's the common way that everyone thinks. Right. However, I like to focus on the other two. And obviously, you know, like, because I'd rather sell at a higher price point to, you know, multiple times, uh, to the same people, which is why right. I like to invest Um, and it kind of works, you know. In so, so one of the things that um, I help a lot of agents do now is 
the last 10 years of my career, what I did was in 2008, I, I had an office in, in Jersey City. I own the Christie's Great Estates affiliate in Jersey City. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent about $300,000, close to a half a million dollars to open my office, did fairly well. I was full of pee and vinegar um, and my coaches who were guys like Jay, uh, Jay Abrahams, Tony DeSillo, Mike Ferry, Tom Ferry, Matt Ferry, a guy named John Alexandrov who passed away, wrote the book for Affirmations for Wealth. My, my accountability partners were like John Ferber who runs Canada for KW, um, Jay Kinder, Michael Reese, Al Stasek who are the biggest, the biggest, um, you know, uh, attraction agents in the business, in my opinion, they, they, they're generating close to a million dollars a month in profit share alone. If you want to learn more about that, I'll let Henry explain that to you. That's his area of expertise. He can help you with that. Um, but you know, ironically enough, all those people that I met and everything that I learned, it all came back to what Jay said, which is how much, how many times, how many people. And when, my income went from $80,000 a month to eight overnight. Like literally I woke up and I was looking over my kid's crib and I said, Oh my God, but I was hemorrhaging 50 grand a month in cash. And I was like, okay, how do I, how do I very quickly and very easily generate more money and as quickly as possible. And, and one of the ways that we did it was I woke up and I, I said to my partner, I said, you know, at the time I said to my wife and I said, I will never ever be in that situation again. And she goes, what is that? And I go, when my business is determined by the economy, she goes, well, you're in a, you're in a business where you don't have a choice. And I go, yeah, I have a choice. You always have a choice. And that was from what Jay taught me. And I, and I, and I remember sitting down and I said, okay. And I had a very candid conversation with him. It was, and it was, I paid him like him and a guy named Bob Proctor. I don't know if you remember him. My wife and I went to go see Bob Proctor with my wife, seven months pregnant. We paid him 20, $15,000 to go see him in Canada with just me and him. And, and he brought it to light. And I said, he goes, who can, who does multiple transactions, no matter what the market is doing. And that's when he looked at me and he goes, dead people. And I went, and I got on a plane, I went home and I was like, you know what, son of a B, he's right. So I started doing the probate and the estate business because I realized that if the market goes straight up, people in the Northeast put you know, like drugs up their nose, kill themselves and they sell their house. Mark goes straight down, people jump out windows and they sell their house. Either way, it doesn't matter what the market is doing. There's people passing away every day and there's family members that need to liquidate that house. And if, and no matter what is going on and where, where it became a, a it would be for you, it'd be a great opportunity as it was for me, because you're not wired to kiss baby, shake hands. You're a numbers guy. That's why you gravitated toward the commercial space in the probate space. It's business to business. It's a, it's a, it's a transactional conversation that says, Here's how I can fix your problem. You know, if you've ever seen the music man with uh, Hugh Jackman on Broadway, the first thing he says to the guy, and he's a, you know, he's a, he's a con artist, but he shows up to the town and he goes, and he says to another con artist, he goes, he goes, what's the problem in the town? And he goes, what are you talking about? He goes, there's gotta be a problem. If there's not, if there's not a problem, we can't fix it. And we can't sell them something. And the guy said, well, you know, they, 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 it's like a really great town. He said, well, they put a pool table in. You go, they put a pool table on. Oh, that's great you know how you know and and he made this whole scenario about how the pool table you know it, it, if they invested in a band in the town band versus investing in the pool table <laughs> it's going to make an impact and and what's interesting is what you're talking about it's so funny that your success has 
gravitated to where it was and it's based on old school coaching and trend. It's refreshing. Let me tell you that because that, those are my, those were my founding fathers, friends and all that stuff. And it's, it's refreshing to hear somebody your age go, Oh, there's this guy, Jay Abraham. Do you ever heard of him? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I feel like there, there's, if I said that to you though, and vice versa, I'm like, I'd be shocked that you actually know him. Well, I just feel like we've gotten so far away from the fundamentals that are always going to stay true. Right. So right. what are those fundamentals? Do you think? Or that again, like, you know, getting on, like, as in getting on the phones, right. right? Building relationships. Right. And, you know, focusing on a few key pillars that actually will drive dollars to your bottom line. I mean, like yep. those three things will never change. Yep. Um, so let's talk about the Parthenon. We've both seen it. How does the Parthenon affect your business? So the, the model of the Parthenon is there's five to eight different p- pillars. And what Jay said to us was, at least for me, was don't focus on all five. Just focus on trying to don't don't focus on trying to get 25% in each area. Focus on one. Just do just do one and a half percent or two percent in each area. Do a little bit better here, a little bit better here, a little bit better here, a little bit better here. For you, what were those pillars? I'm curious. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and even to this day, um, I think a large majority of it has just been cold calling. Um, okay. That one pillar has made me probably 80 plus percent of every dollar. I've well, made. let's go deep on that because when I would do, um, when, when I would go sign up for a new website or something, the guy would say, okay, tell us about your lead, your lead generation, where it comes from. And I go calls. And then, so then one guy got pretty smart and he said, which calls though? So for you getting on the phone, you know, your, your model, your, your modem was to use a phone versus texting or call or whatever. Yeah. And then it turned into a dialer. So I've always been a fan of getting a dialer just to do Mojo or Mojo Vulcan seven, which one I've had Mojo. I've had Mojo my entire career. Okay. So Um, Mojo, which was created by a guy named Dave England. I still use it to this day in the mortgage space. It's a a triple line dialer. What is the difference between Mojo and Vulcan seven? I'm not even sure if you were aware of this, Um, but you know, you could also use phone, uh, phone burner, um, you know, grass. There's a lot of very similar softwares. The big, the big difference between Mojo is though, is it's copper lines. They're, they're based in, they're based in New Hampshire. The only reason why they're there is because they're grandfathered in. And if they move the business, they no longer can do it, but they're the only company in there. And they're only company in that, in that space that has copper lines, which means that if you're, if, if the, if your internet gets wonky or something on your computer, it doesn't affect the connection. And it's, and it's, I, never, it's I, never knew, I never knew that quick, quick, quick plug for mojo, <laughs> mojo. I mean, you know, listen, the guy, and I, and I, I'd be, I'd be honest to tell you, the guy over there is, is David England. He's great. But Brandon is his, like his, like the guy who's second in charge there. Anytime I've ever had a problem, I pick up the phone, I call tech support, he picks it up and he's like, Hey, Sean, how are you? So they're awesome. I've been using it for almost, you know, literally my entire career. So yeah. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. So, um, all right. So you're, you're, you're calling, you're calling for sale by owners. You're calling expires. Are you calling anybody outside of that? Yeah. So I, like you said, you know, the just list that just sold the circle prospecting leads are a thing that um, even to this day, even in the commercial world, and because again, I do yeah. both sides, but I think that it's a very underutilized technique um, and strategy in the cold calling space. Just because like, think about it. If you have an unbelievable amount of people who know about expireds and cancels and, uh, yeah. you know, the very commoditized types of calls that are being made, the only way that you can really stand out is being, you know, focusing on the few, uh, not the many, the few types of um, calls that you can make where they're yeah. not being bombarded 24-7, 365. 
So, you know, again, yeah. those justices, those quotes the probate and the estate call. <laughs> exactly. And by the way, I've done those calls too, right? So, yeah. um, you know, I, I think that it's just, it's a forever and always tried and true type of way, which is literally just circle prospecting. I mean, listen, it doesn't change whether you're saying, hey, it's Henry with XYZ company, you know, calling because I have a buyer who's looking to buy a home in the so neighborhood. Let me, let me interrupt you for a second. You get the call, you get the guy on the phone. Where do you layer? Um, because getting on the phone, I mean, anybody can do that. Where is the secret sauce that gets them on the boat? So um, I, I like how Grant Cardone is very, very specific where he says name, company, and the reason for your phone call. So you do that as fast as possible. Yep. Um, and then I think it's actually more about how you say it and your energy and your enthusiasm behind what you're saying versus like, you know, versus the what you're saying. Do you understand um, the reason why that is? Say it again. You understand the reason why that is? You're absolutely right, by the way. Well, people, people buy energy, not people don't buy products. That's exactly right. right? Yeah. So, um, you know, so for me, again, it was just more so, how can I be more enthusiastic, more energetic, more happy on these phone calls? So how do you do that? So how do you do it? Let's talk about that for, for the new agent. Number um, one, stand up. When you're yeah, I, was say, I would stand up. I would start making my calls. And I mean, this is before COVID, but I was doing 7.30 a.m. calls. Um, yeah. I'd start making my calls because I was like, wait a second. I, I heard in a, a conference uh, that I had went to and that they, they started making calls at 8 a.m. And I was like, I got to beat my competition. So I started doing 7.45. Well, the, the rules say you're not supposed to call people before 8, but I'm going to tell you a little secret. I'll give you a, I'll give you a secret sauce nugget. Sure. The people that you call especially, right? The guy who owns the building usually has somebody who answers the phone. What time does she come in? Probably nine. Typically nine o'clock. Yeah. So if you call at seven o'clock, is the guy who owns the place with the screwdriver in his back pocket usually there? Uh-huh. He usually goes home by nine o'clock because he's been there since four o'clock. Mm -hmm. So if you call the main line and hit his extension, more than likely the administrator or the gatekeeper doesn't pick up the phone until nine o'clock and it doesn't go to the auto voicemail at that point because mm -hmm. it has been turned over. The other thing is, is that if you don't have their cell phone. Exactly. And even if you do though, a lot of times like I, if even if you call me for the for, for about 10 years, if you call me after, after 7.30 in the morning, you would get my assistant until 7.30 because I would forward my phone to my assistant and she would text me back whatever it was that I had to do. Because sure. my, my coach said, if you answer your phone, it's costing you money. I think that's right. So, um, so all right. So, you, you know, it's, it's just, I, you know, I'm, I'm, We're I'm stopping the same to talk about it because I think it's important for newer agents to understand what we talk about is, is just common sense because we do it. But people say, well, how do you get excited when you've been beat up or how do you get excited? And one of the ways is, you know, you start out your day. What time? You, I, well, I'm curious. What time? Tell me your morning routine. You mean today? Yeah. Well, today. Well, yeah. Probably not what it used to be. It wasn't what it used to be uh, or it isn't what it used to be. Um, nowadays, it's just sort of uh, when I wake up between seven and eight o'clock, you know, okay. uh, my intention is just to do, you know, five to 30 minutes worth of exercise and then get on the phones really as soon as possible after my team meeting. So when you were building yourself before you became a rock star, what was the routine then? Uh, wake up at three thirty in the morning, gym by four, um, get back to shower and change. You know, five five thirty, be at the office by six six thirty. Um, listen to some type of self development for probably fifteen to thirty minutes. Yep. Um, and basically uh, get everything prepped before my day even started. Hit the phones by seven thirty till probably one, and then from one o'clock on, I was on appointment. Did you steal that right out of my my schedule from 19, 1996? We're cutting the same cloth, my friend. Exactly the same, by the way. It's it's a, it's textbook. Matter of fact, somebody asked me about it recently, and 
I gave them my accountability checklist that I used to use with my group of my friends. And, and by the way, the guys who were in that group, Eric Delgado, who used to do about 600 transactions a year, 300 mortgage sites, Thatch Nugent, who is now a self-proclaimed, probably worth $100 million easy, Matt Ferry, Gar uh, Greg Harrelson, which operates a Century 21 office in South, down south in North Carolina, I believe it is, Hilton Head. They do about 2,000 transactions with about 20 people in their office and a, a small franchise, uh, 2,000 transactions a year. Um, Jeff Quinton, Ed, 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 you know, Ed House, who would do 180 expires a year. That's all he ever did was expires in Las Vegas. Um, I said to Ed, I go, I go, Ed, you know numbers backwards, forwards, and sideways. I don't understand. I've never met anybody in my life that understands like ratios like you. He goes, well, I was a card counter for a living before I got a, before they threw me out of the casino. And I was, <laughs> I was like, really? And he goes, yeah. So we got to wrap this up. I mean, I could talk to you for hours because you're, you know, it's, it's just your kindred spirit to a certain extent. It's like, you know, it's like looking back at my history um, and it's refreshing. It really is, um, you know, to see, to see it. Um, and in case you haven't got this figured out by watching this, in, you mentioned this about a ceiling, like glass ceiling, right? 1990 and change 80 i'm sorry 80 something and change uh 80 something i get out of i go to the I, I get picked up for the army at 17 years old i signed myself into the army because i was like i'm not gonna be like my friends and end up being a degenerate the recruiter takes me to the closest cvs buys a pink pick razor and shaves the purple mohawk off the top of my head and goes if you send, if i send you the basic training with this they'll kill you i said okay fine I came home and I operated my real estate business the same way I was taught about the Rangers, which is a five team, five guys that can do the damage of 150 people. So I never had a team more than five people. Um, interestingly enough, though, what you said about the glass ceiling was I got, when I got back from the army, my uncle got me a job in the union and I hated it. I used to be a, an elevator escalator mechanic. I did it for about two years. I was freezing my butt off. I got into multi-level marketing in AL Williams, which was an insurance company back then. I became a rock star. I was making 20 grand a month, but I was putting probably half of it up my nose and the market went and it just fell out from under me. And my brother said, listen, you're living in your car. And I said, yeah, but it's summer. I could go take a shower in the gym. And he goes, just come to my house. He paid all my bills. And he said, go see uncle Frank again. I'm going to see my uncle Frank. I could say it now because he's passed away. He was a union organizer with hands the size of my feet. And I was like, oh my God, don't send me back to uncle Frank. I get a job. And my uncle says, you know, kid, I got hundreds of people's jobs. He goes, you, I don't have a problem with it because you're the guy who the only concern I had was them throwing you down the elevator shaft for working too hard because I was in union. I was going to work them out of a job, right? Probably much like you, it sounds like. So I now get a job. I'm back in the elevator business and I start doing real estate by accident. Somebody robbed my bike in Hoboken. I designed a patent. Matter of fact, it's on my desk somewhere, this thing, right? I created this thing, which is basically a bicycle lock and my buddy, I say to my buddy at the Parker house, I go, I go, we're blind drunk in the Parker house. I go, if I got the patent, I got it approved. I said, if I can just find somebody to help me pay for the, the inventory, I can make millions. And he goes, you know, my mom does real estate. She sucks at it. She makes a lot of money. He goes, you've been thrown out of every bar at least twice in Hoboken. He goes, you know, everybody He goes, you could do pretty well. I was in the business. I started doing for sale by rent. I did I did like 120 rentals in my first year in the business. Plus I did 27 real estate transactions working part-time while I was in the union. And what's funny is I go to my 
union job. I'm on the, by the way, the, the office for the elevator mechanic is on the roof of the building. It's the highest point in the building, as high as you can go. Glass ceiling, right? I don't, I don't know this until a friend of mine points it out in an interview one time. So I'm out on the, I'm in the, I'm in the office. The guy comes in and he, and I'm going to replace him because I'm about your age, my twenties or whatever. And he says, Hey, Buster, watch me stuff. I got to go to the men's room. And the guy's like in his sixties or whatever. And he leaves all his retirement stuff on the table. And I realized that I look at the numbers and I go, Holy crap. He's been here for 40 years and he's going to get 8% more than I get right now. What's wrong with that picture? And I, I literally, and at that time, I would, my manager said, my broker said, I'm paying you more this month than I pay people that have been here for 20 years for the entire year. You have a gift. You should quit your day job. And I go, no, no, I can't do that. I got benefits. And that was the first time I literally walked outside after looking at his paperwork. And I go, talk about a glass ceiling. Holy crap. And I called my, I called my broker and I said, okay, what do I have to do? What do I have to do to one, get myself fired so I can get six months worth of, you know, um, unemployment insurance. And I said, two, what do I have to do to make a living in real estate? And he goes, just, just quit your job and come because you, you, you're good. And I'll, I'll never forget it. I went in Hoboken. I, I went and I found the two biggest producers. And I still, I, 10 years later, I actually took them aside and thanked them, um, which was a guy named Mark Ang. And I, cause I said to my broker, I go, who is the number one guy in this town? And he goes, Mark Ang, hands down, Mark Ang is the guy you want to, you want to go talk to. I didn't talk to him. I just followed him and I stalked him and I found out what he did. I did everything he did. I, I followed him around except sleeping with men. He was into something else that I wasn't into and you know, it's all good. But Mark actually 20 years later became a very good friend of mine because I said to him one day, I go, if it wasn't for you, I would, I don't think I would have made it through certain points of my career where I wanted to turn around and quit. And because I would look at you and go, I can do exactly what you said, which was, I could do that. And it was a choice. And I think, you know, there's so many people in this, in this world that they make that decision and they wake up and all of a sudden they wake up out of the dream and they go, oh, I can't do that. And they get talked out of it. I mean, my family said, you have a job. You have, you have, <laughs> my brother came to my house in Jersey city at my, my wedding and said to my wife, he goes, wow because this real estate thing is really working out. I can't believe that the elevator business pays him this much to buy a million dollar house. She goes, the elevator business, he hasn't done that in eight years. I never told my brother that I actually <laughs> quit the elevator business. So glass ceiling, you're blown through it. You're now doing commercial real estate. You now coach people on what you're doing. Um, we didn't really go in deep on that, but I, I think we've illustrated that he, this young gentleman is coached and trained by the same people that created literally legends, including myself and a bunch of the people we just rattled off. If you Google any one of those names, by the way, they are the best in the business, hands down. Um, and Henry's got the secret sauce to where he's distilled it down to when I try to talk to a Henry, you're one of those people where you're a kinder spirit, you get it. About 75, 80% of the population, though, that are at your age level don't get it because I talk right over their head. Um, if you want to find out more, how does somebody get involved with you? How do they how do they coach with you? How do they mentor with you? Is it a is it a paid program? Is it a is it a sponsored program? What 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 do you have? Yeah, I mean the coach program, it is a paid program. Okay. Uh, but you know, again, they can follow my stuff for free. There's a lot of free content out there that I have as well. Uh, you can Google me, really just Google my name. and So, so give us a website or give, we're going to put your information in here anyway. 
Yeah, just follow me on Instagram or YouTube. Um, it'll be really YouTube is probably the best way to. Okay, so you're a YouTuber, and on on YouTube, um, if they subscribe to your channel, what channel is it? Just uh, my full name, Henry Eisenstein. Okay, so it's your full name. It's, that's yeah. the, that's the channel, and um, and your coaching is it is it residential, commercial, all the above? It's it, it's both. It's both. Um, we don't we don't niche to either specifically. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. And, um, and I'm assuming that you offer multi-level, multi-level, like people can get, get involved very, but you said they can get involved for free by just watching your content and getting more information. Yeah. Um, there's, there's multiple tiers to, uh, the, the okay, great. And Henry, I mean, what's the one thing that if, if, if you had a, if you had to beat it into somebody's brain and tell them to just go do it, what do you think the one thing is that you're going to tell them to go do? Um, I'm going to say, you have every everything you need to be successful in this business, and just uh, hit the phones. I mean, uh, hit the phone. Hit the phone. phone. So, so you, what do you mean? Hit it with what? Oh, or you want me to call people? I want you to call people. <laughs> you want me to call people? <laughs> call people. So there, so there's an expression that I say. I, every every coaching environment I've ever gone in, I always say, again, if I take your phone and I start calling people in your phone, if I call everybody in your phone and they don't know you're in the real estate business. You give me a hundred bucks. How long can I, how long does it take for me to dial through your bank account? Right. And you know, so if you tell me that the, it's the leads, give me your phone. Cause I'm going to throw it. I'm going to throw it off the cliff. Uh, Cause you're obviously not using it. You're obviously not using it. Exactly. You're obviously not using it. Henry, man, you, it's a pleasure talking to you. I would really look forward to doing this again. I mean, it's, I could talk to you for hours just because of the people you've talked to and what you've done with it. Um, man, I, I do appreciate you. you. I appreciate you showing up. Um, and anybody Anybody who is looking for a mentor, coach, trainer, um, they're looking for a different perspective, I think there'd be a great opportunity for you to work with. Henry, um, reach out to him, follow him on Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, not YouTube, yeah, YouTube, I'm sorry, YouTube and Instagram, um, and we'll go from there. And other than that, we will see you guys on the top, on the other side, and have a marvelous day. Thank you, sir, for coming. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Top Pros Podcast. If you want to find out more about uh, Sean Chalice and what we do for people and how we can help you, please go to seanchalice.com. Again, that's seanchalice.com. Book a free call. We'll have a conversation belly to belly, and we'll see how we can help. Thanks for listening. See you on the other side.